Hello and welcome to Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. This podcast is brought to you by Kimray. You can visit us at kimray.com to see our full slate of training materials, videos, and other resources. Hey, if you have a question you would like to hear us discuss on the podcast, you can shoot us an email at podcast at kimray.com. We'd love to get that on the air. I'm your host, Curtis Winkle. I'm here today with Kimray's Director of International Sales, Chris Mincor. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for coming on. Your first time, right? This is, yes. All right. So uh, you've been at Kimray for a little while now. We were talking about that earlier. 15, 16 years? 15 years? Yes, 16 years now. Wow. Uh, so what all, you've served in several different roles, I know. Where, where, where did it all start and where has it evolved to? I started uh, as a machinist on our second shift. Um, did that for several years. Working graveyard. Working pretty much graveyard, yeah. A lot of overtime, um, you know, a new young family trying to support them. And after a little over a year of machining, I got into the uh, applications department and worked with our domestic and international distributors and customers, troubleshooting, applying the valves, um, just an array of things. From there... I moved into our product manager position, so helped develop some of the new products, um, launch them, uh, get the distributors up to speed with them. And then I moved into a technical marketing manager's role, went on to do business development, and then finally director of international sales. Yeah, man. so you've, you've pretty much filled every position here. Right? <laughs> uh, so it feels like it, that's for sure. Now, you just got back from a recent trip, right? I did, yes. Um, we were able to visit Dubai and Egypt. That was our first trip in almost two years due to the current circumstances. But, uh, we were gone maybe a little over a week. Saw two of our uh, distributors in the Middle East there, talked to some customers, you know, tried to get back to, to normal. Yeah, um, I'm not sure the world's ready for it yet, but yeah. uh, it, it definitely was good to get out and uh, interact with uh, our customers and our distributors yeah. in person. Yeah. Okay. I thought you looked kind of tan. You'd, yeah. You've been over there. Yeah. Huh? It's a little hot over there yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is the oil and gas market over there like? Dubai, Egypt? Um, it still hasn't fully recovered yeah. in, from from the whole COVID uh-huh. situation. Egypt is definitely starting to pick up more in that whole North Africa region, Algeria, Nigeria. Um, we're seeing a lot of, of that starting to come back faster than really any anywhere else. Cool. So it, it's kind of our focus for 2022. Gotcha. Has helped develop that region better. Yeah. So most of our listeners are in the U.S. and so don't have a, a good feel uh, for for how the international world works sometimes. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different world. Yeah, uh, I've been fortunate enough to have worked in it when I started in applications 15 years ago. So I've I've always been somewhat involved with the international group and been able to experience it this whole time. Some of the funnest places, more exotic places you've been. You, have you been to Russia? Did you go to Russia? Uh, I have been to Russia. Yes, um, that was in the middle of winter. <laughs> it's very cold there. Um, Really, I, I didn't see a whole lot. We went to Moscow, uh, worked with some corporate offices. The My favorite place is China. 
Um, I have a long-term relationship with our distributor there and they're just, they're amazing people and they're extremely hard workers. They're, they're our top producing, uh, international distributor. Yeah. So two questions that brings up for me. One, when you're in Russia, did you get to go to a field there? I did not. Okay. No, that was just corporate. All right. Just yeah. offices. And then, uh, in China, did you ride a bullet train? I did. Okay. Several times. 200 miles an hour? Is that uh, right? 180 okay. something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did it's it feel, fast. Did it feel like it? Um, not until a, another train passes you go in the other way. Mm, okay. Then you definitely know it. Yeah. But once you're by yourself, you know, going down the track, it's, it's smooth. It's, yeah. it's amazing. That's cool. All right. Last one. Did you go in the Burj Khalifa? I did. Just last week? Or? Just last week. Yes. Um, I've been there tw- into it twice actually. Okay. It's, it's just kind of something you have to do if yeah. you go there. It's, uh, I'm afraid of heights, so, uh, I don't go too close to the windows. I okay. stay more in the center, okay. uh, but every time, uh, I've been, someone else was with me who've never been. So we, we go. Hi, and it's the tallest one in the world, right? Absolutely. How big? Yeah. You remember? I think it's 180 something stories. <sighs> we went up like 150, I believe. And you can just see desert all around you. Oh basically. yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's amazing. The view from there. That's pretty cool. And you get to go outside while you're there, which is, uh, I'm not sure a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but. Is it windy? uh, No. Do they strap you in or is it railing, I guess? No. (laughs) There's a railing, of course, uh, windows, but uh, yeah, it's, it's open rooftop. It's it's interesting. I like stuff like that. Um, You you should definitely go. I definitely, yeah, I'd definitely go go on top. One time we were in, uh, I was on a business trip in Las Vegas and we, there's this thing called the stratosphere that you can bungee jump okay. off of. And uh, it's, I mean, it's felt pretty safe, you know. But uh, anyway, I enjoy that. I enjoy that stuff. All right. Well, our topic today, Chris, we wanted to have you on to talk about uh, this process of, of coal bed methane recovery or also called coal seam gas in some regions too, right? Yes, um, absolutely. So uh, what is it? Where is it practiced? How does it work? Okay. Um, <laughs> all those things. You bet. You bet. Um, coal seam, uh, gas is mainly what they call it in Australia. Okay. That's a, an extremely large market down there. And then India is the, the other largest market and they call it coal bed methane. I don't know why they call it different things. It's, it's just what they do. Uh, Indonesia has somewhat of a presence in, uh, coal seam gas and, the United States actually used to. Um, it's not as there's not as much production from it now, so they've kind of stopped doing it. The San Juan Basin still does it a little bit, but okay. Wyoming and that has dropped it. Basically, what um, coal coal bed methane production is is uh, just it's taking methane gas that's absorbed into the coal and releasing it from the coal and producing it and compressing it and selling it just as any other natural gas. It, it's one of the simpler forms of gas production in that it's what we call two-phase separation. There's just water and gas. You don't have uh, oil with it at all. Most of the time, the water produced is uh, reusable. It's fresh water. Sometimes it's brackish, but the majority of the time you they can uh, use it for livestock. They can water with it. 
um, they can reuse the water. Yeah. So it's it's a really clean uh, source of of energy. Yeah. So what happens is they find a coal formation. Um, there's there's several different types depending on the age. They usually want the the younger ones. They're not quite as hard, so that means they're they're more porous, uh, more fractured, and they look for these things called cleats in there, which are kind of veins for the, the gas to flow through. Typically, they drill a vertical well in most places because they're very shallow. I was going to say, these are a lot more shallow than like domestic oil and gas. Absolutely, well. okay. yes. Yes, they're, they're very shallow wells. And the gas is held in there by the water that's trapped within the coal. Once you, what they call, dewater the coal, the methane gas is able to remove itself from the, the coal and start flowing. Uh, into the well. Usually these are low pressure wells, so they have to use a submersible pump or uh, a PCP pump, several different types of artificial lift to to dewater the well. So they they pull the water out of your tubing, typically, and this is called your water gas line. And then they produce the methane out of of the casing, which is called your, your gas water line. These typically will go into a separator where they will take uh, the water droplets out of the gas and uh, whatever they dispose of the water, however they see see fit. Mm-hmm. Different countries do it different ways. But. Yeah. And then the uh, gas water one typically uh, has a smaller separator because there's not near as much uh, water in it. And being a low-pressure gas, it goes into a compressor. Uh, where they can transport that through a pipeline to process it. And it goes kind of in a nutshell. Yeah, so. no, that's a great overview. So, so then it goes. You know, I'm always curious, like downstream. So then it's going to they may crack it, and you do different things with the various gases involved. Or um, really, uh, it's it's a unique that it's pretty much 99% methane. There's really no other gases or uh, condensates or any other liquids in it. Okay. Um, they really just take it to a dehydration plant, and then they can uh, send it to wherever they need it. They blend it with other gases and stuff, however they need to use it best. Um, is it is it pretty similar with the differences, like, so Australian versus Indian production? Is it pretty similar? No, actually, uh, not really. They're, they are quite different. India uses... The, the method I just described was really what's used in India mm-hmm. with the dual separators. Um, in uh, Australia, they're not, they're usually using like a downhole pump, submersible pump, and they typically use just one separator. Okay. They bring everything into one. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the same, same gas, same water content. Um, and then in Australia, they a lot of times will use evaporation pits to get rid of the water, um, pump it into open pits. Um, then they put it into their gas transportation line at a low pressure. And as the gas flows through that, uh, when the, it's called low points in your, your gas pipeline, when you hit those low points, the water tends to gather there that has fallen out of the, the methane just during transportation. So, we had to come up with a solution to get this water out of the pipeline so they didn't have to pig it or, you know, 
remove it in any other way. So we, we help them develop these things called low point drains. And basically you're just sinking at, at these low points in the, the gas pipeline. You, you sink a, a small shaft, 10 foot shaft. And so the water can gather into that. And we put one of our liquid level controllers and one of our valves, uh, you put a stinger down there. Okay. So whenever, um, that pipe fills up with water, our level controller opens the valve and it just pumps the water out of the pipeline. Huh. And then, uh, it just closes and regathers the water. Yeah. So they'll have those at really low points in hills, things like that. And is that underground or is that above? Uh, ours, that is below the ground. The pipeline's a lot typically above the ground or at ground level. Yeah. Um, but we do sink that below the, the pipeline. So where's the level controller? Is it? It's, it's mounted on top. Okay. The, you'll have an access uh, panel in the top where the stinger um, or the a stinger is just a, a long pipe that okay. goes down into the where the water would be. Gotcha. Um, and the, the actual pressure inside the pipeline is what allows it to push the water up through our, our stinger and out into wherever. They dump it on in the atmosphere or into a pit. Um, yeah. Huh. And then, uh, in India they use, uh, they use a, a bunch of things, usually evaporation pits. Sometimes they'll, they'll gather it and, uh, do something else with it. Uh, or they'll just sometimes dump it into the river. I've seen them too. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so, uh, evaporation pit, is that an underground? That is above ground. Okay. It How is, does that work? It's just a large pit. And you pump the water into it and just through evaporation from but is it sun. Man, and, is it man-made or is it? Yeah, it's okay. typically man-made. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a pond. Oh, gotcha. Okay. You know, so. Okay. Yeah, that's so cool. So I assume this, this method of production is a lot less expensive, more cost-effective uh, than uh, because it's more shallow um, and you're just getting gas out of it uh, than yeah. typical oil and gas. Absolutely. Unit. Yeah, then than standard yeah, oil and gas production. Uh, because it's only water and gas, that makes it cheaper. The shallower wells and the controls on it are uh, very standard uh, mechanical. There, there's not a whole lot of technology to producing this, this form of gas. It is much lower volume than your standard uh, gas wells, but when you, you can drill you know, four to one it's easy to produce your, your biggest challenge with this is what's called uh, coal fines. Yeah. You have these, these just fine coal grains that come up that are kind of destructive. Sometimes, um, they can wear out <clears throat> some of your, the parts inside your valves. If you do have any pneumatic equipment, it's very hard to filter these out of it. So you can use the gas to operate valves or any other, uh, devices you have on on the well site, you you need special filtration to get these coal coal fines okay. out. Especially like charcoal filter. Yeah, um, that's you try not to use anything pneumatic because it's it's hard filter screens this and that. You you have to clean them often. Um, we use uh, all all sorts of um, little mini separators, scrubbers, things like that to try and get those out of there. Yeah. 
there is a spider coming down, right? That's right. In there front is. Of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. He wants to get on the on the podcast, I guess. I guess so. He's... <laughs> so the, uh, the those fines settle at the bottom of, of their tanks of their separators. Yes, definitely. Uh, they I can. I assume yeah. that's hard to clean out. And... Um. I, yeah, I've never done it, okay. but yeah, it, never it, been in there. It should be uh, fairly difficult. Difficult to get out, but not impossible. I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious how they do that. Luckily, it's at a, a low enough pressure that it's not like sand erosion. Okay, sure. Um, these separators are going to be operating at typically 30, 40 pounds, so uh, maybe even lower. You know, the the strange thing about coal bed production is it's kind of opposite of standard production where when you first drill a well in shale gas or anything, they come on with a lot of pressure and they die out with time and then you put them on artificial lift. With coal bed methane, they come on, the, the purpose is to dewater it. So you have to start with artificial lift to get the water out, to get your production flowing. And the more water you get out, the more gas you can flow out of the, the coal uh, fractures. So the actual gas production is the exact opposite of like a, uh, a shale gas. You, you actually start producing more gas later. And uh, they can flow for 20 years, you know. So we talked some about uh, the control products used on there. So you, you got at the, the stingers, you have a level controller and dump valves, as you said. Mm-hmm. So similar, I guess you're just you're just trying to get the water out of there, right? So similar on on those separators, you've got mechanical, sometimes pneumatic, uh, level controller and dump valve. Is that the primary controls? That that's it. Sometimes a yeah back pressure regulator to keep obviously pressure on the the, the separator. So I know you've been involved. Uh, especially in India with just helping them think through their processes and, and uh, uh, settle everything. You talked about the uh, dealing with their pipelines and those low points. Is there anything else that uh, you've helped producers with over there just to kind of get set up? In India, we're, um, we're invited to write the standards for coal bed methane as far as the controls. So we were able to submit um, what we felt were best practices um, economically and functionally, and that was the mechanical method. They were approved in, I believe, the end of 2019. So now the National Oil and Gas Company of India has the the Kimray valves as their their standard means of uh, production. Yeah, now that's a, that's a big difference between U.S. Uh business and overseas business is from my understanding talking with you is that you're, you're often not just dealing with a customer or an end user uh you've got governments uh, pretty involved um can you talk about that just that dynamic and how that's different than u.s production oh absolutely yeah um the united states is pretty much the only country where the the citizens own the oil and gas uh every other country in the world the government owns it so you don't have near as many producers. In India, there may be three or four producers of, of coal bed methane. And it, you just don't have the private companies 
that are pulling oil and gas out of the ground like you do in the United States. And so when you have a limited number of customers to choose from, you tend to get more involved in big projects versus uh, a bunch of smaller ones like in the United States. We will have typically 100 to maybe 300 well projects. Not We don't do the 10 to 20 ones as often. So, And when they do that, they find a, a vendor they like, a product they like, and they'll standardize it on it on the whole field. So if you miss that opportunity, you, you might have to wait another year or two till the next project comes around. So it is much different. And then we have what's called approved vendor list. And that is where the government actually approves your company and your product. If you are not on that, you don't even get to participate in the bidding process. Very good. Well, thanks for your time, Chris. Thanks for coming in. Enjoy the conversation. And uh, we'll, we'll have links to, to the coal seam gas slash coal bed methane uh, blog and uh, some other resources that we talked about in this episode's show notes. Um, and we'll catch you next time on Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. <laughs>